0: HVAC 360 is brought to you today by... New from Ganttchart Games is their latest app, BimBlox. Not a contractor? And don't even play one on TV? Well, you're in luck. This app will allow you to build your heart's content. For each new construction level, you are perform tasks like jumping through hoops, deciphering plans, chasing down missing orders, corralling contractors, beating the construction clock, and so much more if you get too good you can even add on the expert osha and mother nature expansion packs get building today play bim blocks Hey, what's up? Welcome back. This is episode number 103. Matt Nelson here, your host for HVAC 360, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. How do we do that? We do that by sharing lessons. You should know this by now. Sharing lessons from my experience in the field and talking to industry experts. But we really don't stop there. I encourage you to double down on your weekly dose of HVAC knowledge and join the growing community of HVAC heads just like you Go over to my website at HVAC360.com and sign up for the newsletter. Uh, I push out something every Friday for people to sink their teeth into a little extra for the week. So, what's up for this episode? This episode, uh, I get to answer a listener question about engineering and building commissioning. Now, he's a younger engineer and he had some questions. And I sense uh, that this was a a topic that was a little opaque for some younger individuals uh, or people who don't really know about the industry too much. So I thought I'd give a try and explaining it. But first, I'd like to congratulate and give a big shout out to one of our listeners, Nestor, who posted a review on Apple Podcast. Thank you, Nestor. I'm keeping up my end of the bargain. You did yours. Thank you so much for giving that recommendation and your review. All right. So let's get to the first question. First question was how and why did you get into commissioning compared to uh, a mechanical engineer. All right. Well, I guess I have to first start off by saying that when I got out of the into when I got out of school rather Um, I didn't, you know, as a mechanical engineer, I didn't even know this field existed uh, until I interviewed for my first HVAC job. Um, I, you know, it it still boggles my mind that it just didn't hit me. I didn't know if I was slow or what, and I I guess I just didn't grow up around uh, other people who were contractors. I'm sure if I knew somebody who was a contractor, it would have dawned on me sooner than later. But you know that that didn't happen. Um, Now. I guess as a engineer, I guess there's two typical paths. So let me first talk about uh, kind of the the two choices that we have here, um, engineering and commissioning. Uh, Now, in the engineering field, you typically come from a... A schooling background. So you've gone through engineering school. Uh, You can, a lot of times, you can have maybe even an associate's degree uh, or a mechanical technology degree or a full blown mechanical engineering degree from a university, college, what have you. Now, you can either go directly into uh, being an engineer or you can actually. I know some people who actually went into contracting for a while and then switched back to become an engineer. Um, that way, that kind of gave them a little bit of experience. Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily a a particularly uh, you know premeditated career path that they chose, but that's how they got into the the um, HVAC engineering field. Now, on the other side, with commissioning, a lot of people go. Into commissioning once they've gone through engineering a little bit. That was that was my path. You can also, if you're a test and balance contractor, a lot of times since there are a lot of educational uh, classes that you can take along with test and balance. Uh, a lot of those kind of go hand in hand. So a lot of people in the test and balance world really you know, start getting into commissioning. They have a a great understanding of how systems are starting to work and things like that. I you know, I I I know that's the case. I don't know necessarily if you get all the confidence that you need as a test and balance guy going into commissioning. I think that there's probably something that you're missing. I, I guess in any of these fields that you get into commissioning with, you're you're probably missing a couple You know core competencies that you'd feel a lot better and a lot more comfortable with if you had them, Um, and I know I've talked about that a couple of times. Now you can also get through into it through controls. I've known people who've done that. Uh, There's since a lot of commissioning is heavily focused on HVAC. You're going to go through controls, and you're going to intimately know what you know, what you're supposed to, what you what you'd anticipate. Uh, you might not know the engineering, you might not know the test and balance, uh, but you know the controls, and so you have that comfort level at the end. Now, regardless of which path you took uh, to become a commissioning authority, really, I mean, your key skills there again are still um, communication and you know just being able to work with others. Uh, it's really that that sort of. Um, those are your kind of your best assets and your best soft skills going into commissioning. So, where did I in the whole thing? Why did I get into commissioning? Why you know why go from engineering to commissioning? Well, when I started out as engin- an engineer, I got my PE, and I really uh, it wasn't until about 2004 2005. So, egads what. 14 years ago or so that I had first heard about commissioning. And, you know, I I thought it was one of those things that would just, it had a lot of opportunities. I knew it was, you know, kind of like the latest and greatest, uh, best thing since sliced bread kind of uh, opportunities. They were kind of few and far between and it really wasn't being, there, there wasn't a huge demand at the time. Um, lead was just starting i mean uh, around that time lead is just starting to kick in a little bit more requiring buildings be commissioned um, but i don't think that was kind of you know at least at least where i was at that wasn't that wasn't a big pusher so um again why i started to really hate drawings Um, Or hate drawings? Not I don't. I don't hate drawings. I love drawings. Uh, I love to look at them, flip through them. No, that was that wasn't the point. I I really hated drawing. Hated drawing. um, Doing CAD. Uh, I didn't do a lot of. I didn't do any BIM. Um, Ironically, with with the the cold open, the fake advertisement, I I topped it off with BIM. But I, I really haven't done any BIM drawing. But I was just getting kind of burned out staring at a screen for, you know, hours at a time, just kind of drawing lines, drawing things, um, getting things together. And it was really starting to wear on me. Um, And, you know, and and it's really funny because it's like, as an engineer, it's, it's, I think it's kind of ironic that how little you need to know about equipment. Um, Say, for instance, a a boiler. Um, You need to know kind of like, you know, what type of boiler you want, uh, you, know, you know, you need to figure out what the input is, the output is, um, what the typical detail and what the sequence is that might be surrounding it. But, you know, I was listening to a video the other day um, and I was just kind of blown away by the subtle nuances. And this was for, you know, the difference between a wetback boiler and a dryback boiler and, uh, you know, the number of passes and, and what's important, what's not important. Um, So it really was uh, kind of eye-opening when I was listening to that, just these these different subtle nuances about the boiler. And that kind of got me a little bit juiced about learning more about boilers and, and exactly how they operate and things like that. But, you know, as a typical engineer, you didn't have time to really dive in depth or it didn't dawn on me to dive really in depth. To figure out what those subtle differences was. Once you picked a piece of equipment, you got the ins and the outs. You got it sized correctly. You put it in there. You connected it up. You got the detail. You got the sequence. And boom, you're done. You walk away. Okay. Um, you know the only next thing would be to you know go ahead and you know watch it get installed. But you know that that was about it. So and even if even though I was kind of working in a construction office at the time, um, I didn't really get out in the out in the field. As much as I wanted to, Um, you know, and I and I really like personally. I really like the the process of construction. You know, I just like to watch it being built you know if I ever find videos of saying hey you know watch this as they build it and they have it on fast forward I just you know I can't stop myself from watching the whole construction process just being built I just you know I'm so fascinated and it's you know there's there's a lot of details that you know I'm interested in the details of of why they do things and I think that that's that's a lot of you know what engineers may take for granted is that you know there's these contractors out there and they all do things for a reason Um, you know uh, generally speaking, when they talk about the the best practices that they work with, they all ha- do something for a reason, and it's really kind of fascinating all these reasons that you know you just didn't think about as an engineer. So that was that was kind of why I was starting to get you know I started wanting to get away from engineering and more towards commissioning. Um, and as most stories go, I I've, I actually caught a break that one of the um, the company I was working with, they had an opening as the uh, commissioning manager, and in the in the in the, uh, in the office. So, since I had enough experience, I could you know find my way and get into that uh, and 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 take it over. Uh, I really didn't have any staff; it was just me. And man, from day one, you know, this is this was a your 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 typical baptism by fire. I knew nothing. I knew nothing, so I was looking around for resources, trying to develop you know what a you know what commissioning plan was, get the the commissioning you know reports, the commissioning forms, everything. Um, I was starting from scratch and try, just trying to learn a lot about that now i I'm kind of a form nerd, so I, I like kind of developing forms. I think my forms look better than a lot of people's, um, but you know, I, I think, and that's part of communication too. You like to communicate clearly. I think the form does a lot, a lot of that for you. So, spending a little extra time um, playing with your arts and crafts and just trying to develop a nice, nice form goes a long way. So, obviously, that's how and why I got into commissioning. Um, that doesn't necessarily help you if you're if you're a young. Uh, engineer or even just getting into engineering and you want to get into commissioning, it's it's really kind of an uphill battle. You really have to have that opportunity, find that opportunity of getting in. Uh, you, you might, if you're fr- just fresh out of school, I think the best way to get into engineering uh, is either get into it or get into commissioning rather, is getting to an engineering firm and working your way up some firm that you know has commissioning and then just trying to get a transfer internally into that department. Um, a lot of firms are just going to hire uh, commissioning guy or uh, new engineers and not necessarily commissioning people because they think and they see, and, and rightfully so, that commissioning is one of those that you really have to know what you're doing um, to be able to start commissioning. I think one caveat there, and I I think that in general, if you have a larger firm that has, you know, a lot of uh, commissioning people in their uh, department, I think that would be an opportunity where they might be able to take a risk on getting somebody in there that knows absolutely nothing and training them how they want to have them trained uh, from within. I think that's an opportunity, but I don't really see a lot of those. Um, That's... The problem is when you look at the industry as a whole, it's a lot of uh, individuals. Now, in competing with other firms uh, from time to time, I've had the experience that Everybody kind of commissions differently, even though we follow the same, you know, guideline zero. Everybody commissions differently, so you might have uh, my personal belief where I take it from, you know, design or wherever we start the project, design through construction and into operations, and I'll follow that all the way through. Uh, just because I think it offers the best consistency for the client. But I know that there was firms out there that had multiple people and maybe had a couple engineers that would also do kind of do commissioning, but that wasn't their full-time work. They were designers that would kind of moonlight, so to speak, on these commissioning jobs, and they would go out there and do commissioning. Um, So what you'd have is you'd have at certain points in the construction process, you'd have all these people just go there and take a look at the commissioning and then do their reports and then... Um, you know, step back, ultimately, you're still going to have that, uh, the person that's in charge of a commissioning project. So that is, even though other people in, were involved, they'd kind of fall off, and he'd be running with a ball or she'd be running with a ball for the rest of the project. And to be able to get it done, um, you know, chasing down little details, because a lot of time is spent, waiting for construction to, you know, finish, uh, dealing with that now. I mean, it could be delayed months. So, I mean, when you're talking about going from design to construction, there's a lot of different projects that you have to juggle at the same time. Uh, so there's just, you know, that's a, that's a big time sink and you want as few people sucked into that time sink as possible. So that's where you have that, that point person that his job or her job is to be able to, uh, watch, watch that happen. All right. So again, some of the common traits that will will serve your well serve you well is to being able to verbally uh, verbally communicate, write clearly, uh, be detail oriented, be a self starter, knowledgeable enough uh, about the systems and understand the reality of the construction. Um, now, I think I've went over that before, and obviously. Uh, maybe it's a presentation that I made or maybe I made it in another uh, previous podcast. But ulti- ultimately, you know, knowledge isn't a big component of, of what's going to make you a good commissioning authority. Um, but actually, it's the thirst for knowledge that makes you a better one. So, I mean, it, it it takes more than a paper pusher to make a good commissioning agent. But having those skills and being able to tolerate the amount of paperwork that we have to deal with, is is one of the kind of the litmus tests between you wanting to tap out and you kind of trying to you know continue on this journey. So I guess uh, let's talk about some of the pros and cons on either side. Um, so on the pro side for commissioning, what I l- like about it, I like to be working on multiple projects. It gives me that perspective, um, those field lessons learned that I like to share with you. I get to learn about a lot of them because we have multiple projects going on at the same time. So there's a lot of different things always popping up, and I can kind of take that from one job, share it to another, and kind of you know cross-pollinate all these ideas about how to do things better. Uh, I like traveling, uh, you know, to an extent. I don't like necessarily traveling on airplanes uh, to other places. I think that there's, you know, a lot of, you know, that has its place, but all in all, when you're doing commissioning projects, if you're flying someplace, I think that there's probably somebody better, closer, more local, uh, to be able to serve that client better. Um, Ultimately, you know, I like to, to travel a couple hours at most, and, but that, that allows me some, you know, some time, some, uh, some uh, dashboard time. So I get to listen to podcasts, listen to books, uh, get caught up on things like that. And I also actually, you know, get to, get to learn in that process. So I get to know contractors a little bit better, a little bit deeper than you would just visiting them once or twice as an engineer, not necessarily you know, building a relationship. Um, and it's nice to be able to say, you know, uh, there, I have a project now where it's like you go into the trailer and, hey, there's two people you already knew from a previous project. You're like, hey, you know, it's it's like a reunion. So you really get to, to meet these guys. And as, as long as you're a, a, a good performer, you know, a, a good commissioning authority, um, it's something that, You'll get that good reception. Um, if you're not, then it's going to be crickets and awkward silences when you get to uh, get to a, a new project and figure out who's working it for some of these, uh, you know, construction managers and general contractors. So, I think that's, uh, and, you know, just being able to learn from these people as well. You know, you get to ask them questions. They don't have an expectation that you know everything. As a commissioning authority, you shouldn't be putting off these vibes uh, that you know everything. Um, and you should always be open to, hey, what you've been doing, how do you do it, um, and just use the use their knowledge and resources to kind of get some questions answered. So, what I don't like about it, uh, I don't like the, I don't like the paperwork. I'm tolerant of the paperwork, but that's not my favorite activity. Uh, I don't, you know, a lot, a lot of times that just gets, you know, it's a, it's a grind. Um, you know, writing reports and getting through them, you know, even though that I'm, you know, okay to good at them, it still doesn't make it. It still doesn't make it better. So those are some, those are some of the cons. Um, the timing of projects and really being susceptible to those delays, that's really aggravating. Um, it's really, you know, you like to be able to bid on something, say, hey, you know what, I'm going to get this money by this time, and, and go through it. Um, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of tolerance that you have, a lot of financial tolerance that you have to do when you have commissioning. Um, when you're dealing with a larger, um, a larger company, you, you kind of know you're going to have some buffers. You're typically commissioning is not going to be your only gig uh, when you're involved in like an engineering firm uh, or you're part of your tab. So you're going to have, you know, it's going to be okay that, hey, you know what? For a couple of months, you're not getting paid because you're going from the design phase to the construction phase and you're just going to have to deal with it. So, but those are some of the things that I don't like uh, with that. And then you know ultimately, you know there's a lot of wasted time when you're sitting there and there's delays and you just have to are you ready yet? Nope. Okay, are you ready yet? Nope. So, a lot of wasted time. That's in the cons category for commissioning. Now, on the other side, let's talk about engineering pros for the engineering. Um even though I don't like a drawing I think is one of those you know, it's it's sort of therapeutic. I know a lot of a lot of guys, especially you know, they just draft. They like to just put on the headphones, pick up some red marks, and just pound out a drawing or two. And you know, that's how they, you know, it's a, it's just a zone. Then it's you know, five thirty rolls around, and you know, it's time to it's time to go. So they can just kind of leave it at the office, um, which is definitely good. I like the art of it. You know, the this is a profession. There is art. To laying out a system there is a certain art to drawing and uh, how it ends up looking at the end you want you want you want to go for clarity and you clarity if you have art uh, kind of seeps through a little bit more if, if you if you draw uh, without any sort of process in place it's going to be messy it's going to be confusing you're going to generate more uh, more issues in the field and more questions from the contractor frankly Um, And obviously, you can't uh, not list this as a pro, uh, but you get to work in an office that's going to be Climate controlled, and you have nice clean restrooms, and there's a, you know, maybe like a coffee maker, or you have snacks, or, or what have you. And that's kind of a, a nice work environment uh, for people. And you get to be around other people, uh, other engineers, other architects, um, sometimes, I guess, depending on what office you're at. Um, so that is a, a pro to the engineering, just kind of being a little bit more, just being able to be part of something bigger. Uh, and you know obviously it depends on on the type of jobs i mean a lot of people get into engineering not knowing what types of projects that a particular firm works with and that is uh, an issue i'll list that under one of the cons let's go into the cons you don't know what you're going to work in you get get yourself into it might be more of hey if you're just doing retail that's not very exciting you might end up working on jobs that aren't very exciting um You know, I have pointed out before though, you know, if you have a job that isn't very exciting and it's a multi-story apartment building and you screw up on one apartment, it's going to not be just one apartment. It's going to be like an entire stack. It's going to be an entire floor. It's going to be an entire building of mistakes. So you really have to focus on getting that one apartment right. So not, you know, not necessarily having the most exciting projects uh cons for engineering again uh projects drag drag on for engineers um you know you you have to you know pick something up and then put it down uh, you know at every phase, you got your, you know, schematic design, you got your design documents, construction documents, each phase, there might be a couple of months. I mean, typically a design phase is going to take 18 months, but you're not drawing for 18 months. You know, you're drawing for a couple of weeks. And again, you know, similar to what you have in the commissioning world, you're going to have multiple projects going on at the same time. But, you know, that's that's some of the cons that, um, you know, for engineering, um, And it can be, you know, a grind. Uh, And obviously staring at a computer is a big downside. If you don't like sitting in an office, in an office chair, seated, or, you know, standing desk, if you're progressive, um, and staring at a screen, you know, many hours a day, if that doesn't sound fun to you, maybe that's not the job for you. I mean, obviously you get to change it up every once in a while, but the vast majority of you... Um, are you know drawing or investigating or doing calcs or measuring or something um, in as it relates to that engineering project so those are your cons i guess um, you know as a uh, in the bonus stretch here either way you can kind of you know do your own thing um, if you uh, yeah, if you work for yourself or you work for a company uh, you might be able to uh, um, you know, be an independent consultant like myself. Uh, I know other engineers that are just—they do just engineering, and they're a one-man show, one-woman show, uh, and that is fantastic. Um, and it's really kind of—you know—there's a there's a risk tolerance to it, and you got to be able to kind of you know put up with it. But you know, it, it's it's fun and it's a great learning experience, and you get to kind of get the. Um, You have the ability, I guess, either way of that option. Once you get those certifications, once you get those, you know, the PE license, it does allow for that to be a path for you, um, a branch, if you will, off of your current work path. So those are some of the bonuses, though, I'd say. Let's get on to the second question, which obviously I think you might be able to tell from that last comment The second question was, ideally, I'd like to get all commissioning certifications, but what is the most useful? Uh, Should I get, you know, get two or more? Or is there a nationwide certification that is most accepted? So I think there's uh, here's the thing. There's more entry level certifications now, but, you know, I'm not really sure if they are worth it. Um, and what I mean by that is you don't necessarily, as long as you're working under somebody who's kind of the lead commissioning person, um, that kind of will be your umbrella. You're working for them. Your work is directed by them. You're all fine. Uh, you may want to get it. Uh, I don't know necessarily if, you know, depending on your certain work situation, if, you're, if your company's going to pay you more to have a certification, okay, maybe, you know, or if they're going to pay to have it, um, maybe that's a uh, value to you. But otherwise, I don't know if the entry-level certification really helps. Uh, in my case, I I did go for that entry-level certification, um, and uh, you know that was just you know just to do you know because I couldn't be really a really commissioning manager if I didn't have a certification. So I have to I had to find one that I would qualify for, and that's the that's the hard thing. You know, when you're fresh out of the fresh out of school, trying to find something that you're qualified for. Is going to be very difficult. It's, you know, regardless of whether or not you're good at test taking or good at, you know, knowing the information that you should, you know, having those prerequisites, being able to at least sit for the exam, whether or not you're going to pass it the first time or not, um, is kind of a big deal. Um, Now, I think I, I qualified most because I had the PE, I had the experience, and I had done some, you know, quote unquote commissioning. On other projects uh, it wasn't sort of formal it wasn't the lead process I wasn't submitting anything there was no real final report per se but I had done some commissioning so I could kind of vouch for a couple of projects um, so that is um, you know that, that is what I what I kind of allude to on you know do I get you know one of those entry-level certifications all right, now and up until next, um, up until last year, I probably would have answered, um, you know, moving on from an entry level. Which which one should I get? I would have answered that question a little bit differently. Uh, now that the DOE workforce credentialing workforce credentialing program. Has uh, made a couple of these equivalents, so to speak. Um, a lot of the big firms are going through um, now. If you're tab, I guess you're going to have. I, I, I guess my my recommendation, If you're coming from the tab world and you're going for commissioning certification, you might as well stick with your, um, you know, with your neb. Go for the neb certification. If you're AABC, ABC, go for the you know ACG certification. Um, you know, if that's a possibility, I don't. I still don't know if that works with contractors or not my only dig against the ACG certification um that's a story for another day um you know a great organization great people but uh, as a as a contractor I couldn't get that certification um and it just kind of bugged me ever since so it, but I think that uh if I had to choose um you know, saying which one I—I I definitely have a preference and a little bit of bias, so to speak, uh, for the ASHRAE BCXP certification. That's the one that I would go for. Um, and I would also say that the BCAS certification is is also good too. I think they're both they're both fantastic. Um, you could get away with either one. Um, you know, even to the point that you know because of this. I felt comfortable enough to let a couple of my certifications lapse, um, because I had I had three. Uh, if the, you know, last year this time I had three certifications uh, for commissioning, just for commissioning. And and let me explain why. Um, there are you know, depending on how you write the commissioning spec, and this is not well. I should say the the qualifications for a commissioning authority in the specifications or in the request for proposal. A lot of them have different, depending on where you go. A lot of them have a you know different requirements. Um, for the longest time, with the any sort of government work, you had to be either NEB, uh, AABC, or TAB, and you had so they were looking at the bouncing companies to really provide their commissioning. And I, you know, I really don't, I don't see that um, now with this DOE thing. It's, it's changed a lot so if you were a type of person that was going after specific government work uh, back in the day yeah you'd have to have another certification to be able to qualify for that type of work um, would it be everywhere no a lot of states you know still say you can be a PE if you have the PE you know that's your uh, that's your ticket to being a commissioning agent um, do I feel that that's right? No, but I don't think you should be necessarily um, excluded if you don't have the PE. Um, so I think that uh, you know, again, the it, it's it's not the PE doesn't test you whether or not you're going to be a minim- minimally competent commissioning authority that's what these other tests with ASHRAE and BCA, um, that's what they do, is they test to make sure that you're minimally competent. They're all based on certain job tasks that you have to be proficient at to be able to uh, say that you're a minimally competent commissioning authority. And so I think, I think certification is important. I, th- I just don't think that you can get away with just having a PE, but it certainly doesn't hurt um, to have that PE. Um, I know that if you're... Um, my latest look into the uh, U.S. Army Corps uh, specifications, um, the United Facil- or what, Unified Facility Guide specifications—they've um, been updated, and now they include like Ashray and BCA, as well as the um, the different uh, tab firms. So and it was kind of it was, it's kind of weird too because they they did want uh, in these specifications they did want the firm it was a, it was an important distinction having a commissioning firm uh, I know you can be actually a commissioning firm with a BCA now um, that's not something the ASHRAE does but a lot of the tab. You know hey if you're tab you got to be a tab firm and then you have also do commissioning so that was kind of a you know a one-two punch there um however they've kind of written it as caveat that you can leave in there and again it's all about editing the specs and but i say if it's in the original spec you should be at least be able to argue that hey you know what it's a it's a valid um it's a valid option so there are other different municipalities different local rules and depending on how they write their specifications Uh, you should be, you know, uh, you may be included or excluded based on what they write. But I I just think that if you have that DOE recognized certification, that you should be able to kind of just step through and like get a, you know, a variance on any sort of, uh, you know, project that you'd want to get. So you wouldn't get excluded or you wouldn't get, um, uh, you, you you know you wouldn't get uh, um, you wouldn't get the project you wouldn't get selected you wouldn't get shortlisted um, and you know it's, it's cuz i i still see it happening today where people go through and just because the specifications are written one way or they use old specifications for army corps jobs or different other government jobs that you know they don't get they might get selected but then they get rejected and that's not necessarily fair, um, because we've gone through this process that everybody's been brought up to the same level. They, if, if they have that recognized uh, certification, that should be the one to get. So, you know, set, I would set your sites. I would say at least you know know what the, know what the requirements are for the different certifications. Uh, know what the requirements are, and maybe you can set those up as action items. Or a career path goal that you set for yourself as you're going forward. If there's certain requirements and saying you're like, hey, you know what, I have to have at least you know two projects or three projects that I've been on with commissioning. Maybe there's a way that you can kind of work in uh, in on those. Uh, again, if you're say if you're an engineer and you're saying, hey, you know what, uh, I'm going to go and you know s- see if I can't help on this other project. You know just to get some experience, just to say that I've worked on the project and you know I'm, I'm being truthful about it, I think that's a, a great way to kind of plan out your career to be able to say, okay, you know what? you know here's the things that I need, here's the things that I have and work towards those goals And maybe you know at least especially if you say, hey, you know what I need I, I want to get this. You know whether it's relevant for this job or not. This is this is what my career goal, my personal career goal is. And, and this is, I guess, if you're if you're a younger engineer talking to your supervisor, saying, "Hey, you know what?" I know it's not on your career path for me but it's on my career path and if you can help me out I really appreciate it um, you know if you can help me out with these couple of details that I'm trying to get into and you know you never know you never know what they're thinking you never know what kind of discussions they're in with you know their bosses or the principals or you know the owners uh, you, you just don't know what people's you know intents are and I think that if you make those known if you make your goals known like that to your uh, supervisors, um, then you can go ahead and uh, you'll get get those achieved, get those done. So eventually, I think you can you can make that leap into getting that commissioning certification and doing commissioning. Um, so, you know, a lot of times too, if you're gonna if you're gonna be um, if you get at least some commissioning and you get some knowledge uh, in your back, I think commissioning is a field that's growing. To the point where there are there's going to be, you know, uh, a lack of a lack of people being able to you know do anything. Um, well, I guess that's a weird way to say it, but there's going to be a, a shortage of commissioning authorities. I guess is the the, the more the more better way to say it. Um, if I can use any any, any English, uh, if I can use any English at all, so you know, get get as much experience as you can. Maybe look for different opportunities if it's not with your current firm, and uh, look for that look for that jump. Um, once you get some experience doing commissioning, uh, and you have that certification, you know that that's golden. I mean, I guess you know some people some people like engineering, some people want to be in engineering, and that's fine. Uh, you know, there's there's definitely a spot for that. There's a need for that. If you want to be in a, com- a commissioning authority, there's a, there's a path for that. And there's a need for that. So either way, you're a winner. And I think that, you know, you can even flip, flop, flip, flop back and forth. It doesn't really matter. Uh, I think that that is a, um, you know, a great, again, a great career, great career options, great career paths uh, that you can choose and change at any moment, you know, depending on on where you want to be. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week for HVAC 360. Hey, thanks you so much for listening. Hope it was helpful. Again, if you're interested, if you know anybody who is interested in getting into commissioning or engineering and just kind of has those same questions, you know, why don't you go ahead and share this podcast episode with them? Um I really appreciate you and if you'd like to join our growing community, Uh, Go over to HVAC360.com and sign up for the mailing list. And there are going to be some new things happening and some changes that are going to go about. Um, So I'm putting out a survey, and thanks to everybody that's uh, listening so far and has filled out the survey. I really do appreciate each and every one of you uh, answering that survey. It's a short, very short survey. Nine questions, um, but it really gives kind of per- some perspective on what kind of information you want. Um, and I'm talking kind of going a little bit beyond the podcast because I'll still be producing those, but I want to pr- produce something, uh, something else, and I'm just looking for some starting points on what to do there. Um, again, Nestor, thank you so much for listing that review. If you want a shout out, go over to Apple Podcast List a review there. Um, I appreciate each and every one of those. It just helps everybody kind of uh, the awareness of HVAC 360. So if this is of value to you, I would especially appreciate just taking the time and going over there and filling out a review. All right, well, that's a wrap for this week of HVAC 360. I'm your host, Matt Nelson, helping you go be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. And as always, know what you build. and share what you know.